It's like Bob trying to be funny. He's working up to his holiday. I can see that. This afternoon, I think it's at 1 o'clock, is it, the baptism? 1.30. This afternoon at the pier head um, by the cafe there, Christchurch are having a baptism. The man in the cafe has become a Christian and wants to be baptised, and so he's doing it right by his cafe. So if you could make some people make that, that would be really good to support, to support them. The other thing is on Thursday at 11 o'clock, there is a Christian film in Herne Bay Cinema, and um, it would be good if um, apparently some people have been ca campaigning for Christian films to go into cinemas, so it would be good to see that. What is it called, Iris? Breakthrough. Um, we as a group are going to go. Group, Peggy, those, um, is it 11 o'clock? It's 11 o'clock at the cinema, so that would be a good thing to support. A real life story, true life, true life story, um, so it would be good to support that and bless it. Well, last week, Bob rounded off our series about the I Ams of Jesus. That on occasions, Jesus said, I am, I am the bread of life, I am, uh, I, I am the good shepherd, and he rounded it off with where Jesus said, I, I am the vine. And um, it would be good for you to remember that that message was taken, and if you want to listen to it, to listen to it. Just ask, how are you doing with abiding in Jesus? Have you found that reading the Bible and prayer has helped? Maybe it's something you set aside, maybe it's a thing you've picked up again, I don't know. But they're really important things. As Christians, we need to abide in Christ. So pick up the message and listen to it and help. Each week they go on there, and it would be good for them to be used and reused as we listen to God's word. It's really important for us to abide in Jesus. We just so need him. We just so need him all the time. So today we're starting a new series. It's a revisit to Acts. It wasn't that long ago that we did it. You have probably forgotten it anyway, so it's probably a good thing to look at it again. But in, uh, in beginning to look at it, um, I've been re-blessed and know that God has something to say to us as a church. When I prayed about it, the Lord gave me a word, and it was expectancy. First thing I found that I, will pray, I pray for things a lot and don't really expect them to happen. Um, God has said things in Acts, which we're going to look at. And I'm not really expecting them to happen. In these verses which we're going to read, and again, Jesus said something. He said, if I go away, I will come back again. Am I really expecting that to happen? Am I expecting to see Jesus face to face again? All those lovely people saw him in those early days, and we're going to have that opportunity to see him again. Do you, are you, really, do you really believe that? But I know you say you believe that, but you find the expectancy of it is not gripping us sometimes. So God gave me this word expectancy. So I can't sort of do a sermon on expectancy, but we'll see some of the facets of that which come out as I open this up. Um, for the fact that I'm opening it up, I need to give a little bit of information which may be Obviously, hard to take in, but they need to be put in place before I do it. So, we've got a framework of the book that we're going to look at in Acts. But I would love it to be that as we preach through this book, we get 
the sense that we're going to expect God to do more among us. You know, even coming to this place, my expectancy has risen. I know God's about something. I'm not fully quite sure yet what, but I know it's about the expansion and growth of his church, and it's about people being blessed. Something else which will come out. So we're just going to, do, just going to read these first verses in Acts 1, 1 to 10. Luke is writing, the Luke who is one of the gospel writers. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. I can't remember a sermon on the ascension of Jesus. But let's remember, Jesus ascended back to heaven. Now that's of absolute significance, because he rose... When he went back to the heaven, the, the, the Bible tells us that he went back to the right hand of the Father. He went back as a man. He wasn't an ethereal thing, he was a man. We have read in here that while they were eating with him, or while he was staying with them, he spoke to them. This is the resurrected Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And when it says... He stayed with them. The ESV, it says he stayed with them. In the other versions, it says he, he, he went and ate with them. But the same meaning is this. He lived as a normal man with them for a time. He lived them like a normal person for the time, as a resurrected man. He stayed with them. You get the same idea in Luke 19, where Jesus meets with Zacchaeus in the tree, and he calls him down, and Jesus said, I must stay at your house today. It means that Jesus became part of Zacchaeus' home life for the afternoon. He stayed with him. And that same Jesus that stayed with Zacchaeus, as a resurrected man, stayed with these disciples, these apostles. And he spoke to them, and he gave them instructions. 
So these are really good words to look at. But one of the, the two most important things about uh, this Acts as we go through it is A, this resurrection of Jesus and the giving and sending of the Holy Spirit. We could call the Acts the source, the force, and the course. The source is Jesus, the force is the Holy Spirit, and the course is those believing disciples who took the message forward in power. We could ask the Acts of what? Well, in some Bibles it's got Acts of the Apostles, where in actual fact it only deals in major terms with two apostles. So it would be only two of them, really. It does mention other apostles. In the first half of Acts, it deals with Peter's encounter and Peter's work and ministry. In the second half, it's with Paul's ministry and work. So really, it's only Acts of the two, apostles, two of the apostles, really. Other people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But if you punch in your um, word search on your thing, you will find that there's... 42 references to the Holy Spirit come up, or around about 40 references, but the 72 come up about Jesus Christ. So in actual fact, I'm not denying those, what we call Acts, but I'm saying to you, let's get the major thrust here. It's not only about the Acts of the Apostles, and it's not only about the Acts of the, Apostles, of the Holy Spirit, but it's the Acts of the believer of God. As they move forward in triumph, learning what Jesus can do for them in their lives. The other thing that I felt God wanted us to learn this morning was not only the, uh, the impact of expectation, but also the dynamic of spirituality. I think it's right to say, and this is not without condemnation, you could go into many churches today and you would go through the form of a service and that would be a form of a service, and that's where it would end. So we will find in Acts there's no form. There are no icons. There are actually no bands. And importantly, there are no buildings. So when we come to Acts, it's about people. It's not about buildings. We're here, and this is not a church building, is it? We know that, we can see that, and thank God it isn't. Can I tell you why? Because a lot of people won't go into a church building. But I think God's expecting us, and he's expecting people to come in here because they have the freedom to do so. And as we pray as a church, let's expect God to move. And people will come in here. And I believe and I pray, and I've prayed for this, Lord, would you give Beacon the spirit of expectation? Because we all need it day after day after day. The Bible talks about the hope we have in Jesus when we come to know him. The hope of the future. God will accept us in his presence unconditionally. We shall live forever enjoying the beauty 
I mean, this week they've been redoing the landing on the moon, and there are such amazing things coming from that. Some people don't believe it happened, but there you go. But you know that first picture of the Earth that they showed? Coming back, I almost felt, and apparently one of the astronauts took communion up into the spacecraft and celebrated communion at the same time his home church were doing it on Earth. Eh? We're going to celebrate communion today. But that first picture of the earth, you know, it's so amazing. Hanging on nothing. The beauty. The laws that Steve was speaking about the other week. You know, those dynamics which are unchangeable that hold that earth in its place. Bob has made a quick reference when we were meeting as elders about the mathematics, the numbers. How they all add up to prove that behind it all is an amazing God. There is an amazing God, and we're going to be part of that future. When I was a young boy, we heard a lot of phrases about standing around in robes of white. I didn't fancy the idea at all. God has so much more for us. So much more. I think John Hosier said, we'll be exploring space without spacecraft. We'll be finding out the beauties, more of the beauties, what the scientists are doing now. Some people think we'll be creative. And that's so amazing. But it's that expectancy. So just a few pointers. So it's the acts of the believers doing and teaching the church at its birth for approximately 30 years into history. Some quick points you'll find a, lot, a few references about both men and women. That's a thing that comes up which you don't find in the Gospels. But you find Paul found that women were a threat to the Gospel, so he put them in prison as well as the men. A lot of the early church denied the importance of women in their churches. We don't want to do that at Beacon. We want there to be an expectancy that God is going to bless both men and women and use them in his kingdom it's about people not buildings I've said that we find no form rituals choirs icons special utensils we haven't got any special utensils this morning we haven't got an altar because Jesus has become the objective and the whole purpose of our meeting together he's replaced all that sort of thing it's his beauty his importance his person that we're in concern with. And in worship, we do that. We amazingly come to him and appreciate him. We find the two main institutions of communion and baptism in steady practice. And that's good. We're having communion this morning. There are baptisms amongst us surfacing soon. There's baptism happening down on the seafront this afternoon. And there will be more baptisms too. And we just pray that they'll be in steady practice in Beacon Church. Baptism was never an option. When Jesus came to the cross and he died for me, it wasn't an option. He chose to do it for me. So Jesus said, I didn't feel unwell today, or I can't face it. 
I'll face it, whatever, because of you. And we should be likewise. We should come to that with him. Lord, if you want me to show other people that I've put my life for you, help me to do it. So they were steady practice in the early church. We do find order and doctrinal specifics as foundations for each local church. We do find mission as the culture carrying the church forward. We do find the geographical strategy of expansion spoken by Jesus worked out throughout the book. But it was like Jesus was saying, it's not going to be easy. Why? Your starting place is in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus was executed. So it wouldn't be the best place to start. You're going to Judea, and mainly the ministry of Jesus was rejected in Judea. So it'd be hard going then too. Would they accept it now? Would they accept it in Herm Bay? Who knows? And Samaria. Oh, how the Jews hated the Samaritans. And Jesus said, yeah, you've got to go to them too. And these were mainly Jews that they were talking to. You've got to go to them too. And then the last bit, his ministry in Samaria, was re- Samaritans were regarded as a wasteland of impure half-breeds. And also Jesus said to the end of the earth, or in other versions, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I just realized that's Herm Bay. They've done Jerusalem, they've done Judea, they've done Samaria, and now it's the end of the earth, and that must be Herm Bay as well, and all the other places as well. But that's our mission. So for Acts, I just want to read you um, the introduction that you find in the message uh, version of the Bible as a means of introduction to this. Because the story of Jesus is so impressive, God among us, God speaking language we can understand, God acting in ways that heal and help and save us, There's a danger that we'll be impressed, but only impressed. There's a danger that we will be impressed, but only impressed. As the spectacular dimensions of this story slowly or suddenly dawn upon us, we could easily become enthusiastic spectators and then let it go at that. Become admirers of Jesus, generous with our, 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 our oohs and our ahs, in our better moments, inspired to imitate him. It's Luke's task to present that to prevent us from becoming mere spectators to Jesus. Fans of the message of the original quartet of writers on Jesus, Luke alone continues to tell the story as the apostles and disciples live into the next generation. The remarkable thing is that it continues to be essentially the same story. Luke continues his narration with hardly a break. Perhaps to dip his pen in the inkwell, writing in the same style, using the same vocabulary. The story of Jesus doesn't end with Jesus. 
it continues into the lives of those who believe in him. The supernatural does not stop with Jesus. Luke makes it clear that these Christians he wrote about were no more spectators of Jesus than Jesus was a spectator of God. And I thought that was quite a catching phrase, that these people were no more spectators of Jesus than Jesus was of God. They are in on the action of God, God acting in them, God living in them, which also means, of course, in us. We're the continuation of that story this morning as we come together as Beacon Church. And it's my prayer that my expectation will rise to expect God to do his wonders, his spiritual wonders among us. Because I believe that's the way forward for us. You know, when Jesus, we always read about the New Testament preaching, we hear much about the preaching, but when you find in the life of Jesus and the life of the New Testament, it was healing and preaching. The two went together quite significantly. It's mentioned too many times to ignore it. Do you know what I mean? The healing and the preaching, or the supernatural, went with the preaching. It gave weight to the word as they went through it. When I was in my primary years, school primary years, I started to have an interest in budgerigars. Um, my mum used it as a levering to make me obedient and be a good boy. But one day, my single budgerigar laid an egg which means that it was a hen. I think you tell that by the brown bit over the beak. Remember that and the blue bit for the, for the cock, as it were. But you know, when that egg, when I saw that egg in the bottom of the cage, I was up early in the morning looking to see if it hatched, looking to see if there was another budgerigar. But you know, my mum was trying to tell me in very simple ways don't be too eager. You know, she was trying to tell me it would come to nothing because there was no cock about. I, I, I didn't realise it at that stage, but, you know, I was watching that egg and uh, I ended up disappointed. But you see, there was, I had hope and expectancy in that little egg and there was nothing in it. And sometimes we can be like that in church because the egg we have has life in it. What we have has life in it. Jesus gives us life and health. It's about people. It's not about buildings. So there's three levels we can come to Acts. The first is factual evidence from first-hand witnesses where we can be informed how the church was birthed, established, and grew then how it multiplied against many attempts to prevent this exponential spread as Jesus has spoken. Pure history. Acts has been recognized as a good book historically by many people who are Christians and non-Christians. So it could be a history. Then Luke wants us to read it all the way through as a book about Jesus. The Acts of Jesus, maybe. 
how having completed his work on earth, the history which follows is welded with the past and now being perfected by the same Lord through the Holy Spirit working in you and me. The third level is where we're invited to become part of the story, where we're expected to continue the program with encore after encore, where we're saying, do it again, Lord. Do it again. I want to see more. I want to see more of you. I want to see more. I want to see more people blessed. This action-packed drama has power to live on until the work on earth is done. I'm sure we're all interested in the success of this story today. We've come here to make that possible. Let's pray that our expectancy might rise. So what could happen here this morning? Well, anything could happen, really. Anything could happen. This week, um, so I'm sort of going to leave the Acts 1, bit 1 to 10 that I've done now. You will see uh, three banners here. At the bottom, it's got relational mission, family growth, invitation. That's all included in this book, Acts, which we're going to see. Well, John and I went to um, an elders thing this week in Hoddesdon in Hertfordshire. And um, we learnt how our family of churches are growing amazingly. How that people are being saved and baptised and added to the church. New churches are planted in different places, both in this country and other countries. And this is our family of churches. But John and I were sitting down at the table eating with two guys from Essex. One was from Braintree. And uh, he was telling us about their method of reaching people. And I just sat back in amazement for a while, and I thought, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. And he said, we're doing spirit calf. Now, some of you may have heard of spirit calf. That is true. But we live in a time in our day when people are seeking spiritual enlightenment, spiritual dynamics, spiritual experiences, all things spiritual, but avoiding the main purpose of the Christian life, which is to have a spirit that's been renewed and made clean and right with God. And I would hasten to say that because many people haven't got that, they're seeking it elsewhere. Now, Spirit Cafe works like this. It happens probably once a month, and uh, there are teas and coffees, and people, uh, it's held maybe in the town or out in the public location somewhere. And uh, in this cafe, there's tea and coffee, as you would expect. But as they come into the cafe, they're given a menu. And it's a menu like this. The menu reads, spiritual readings, peace treatments, dream interpretation, physical healing, spiritual cleansing. This is a Christian cafe. The whole purpose of this cafe is to bring people to Jesus by the spiritual route. Spiritual readings. 
And this is an appeal to us this morning, what we may be looking at as a church, because I feel that we have good fellowship, we have good community, we have good worship, we have lots of things, but we need to know the work, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit amongst us more and more each week, that people will be blessed. The spiritual dynamic, that's what will work, the spiritual dynamic. Many people avoid the spiritual dynamic. But spiritual readings read like this. Now the people come into the cafe and they read the menu and they will choose how they want to be ministered to or spoken with. And um, spiritual readings will go like this. Are you looking for direction in your life? Do you know how to recognize the voice of God through the Holy Spirit? Have you ever heard prophetic words over your life? Has anybody ever given you a word of knowledge? If you look at those things, we find they're the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God has given to his church. If you read in Corinthians, it's a Paul says, as a norm, normative thing in the church, the manifestation of the Spirit is and it goes on to give you that list, that amazing list of how, what gifts God wants to give to his church to use the people. One of those gifts is extraordinary miracles. <laughs> so I thought a well, miracle was extraordinary anyway. But one of the gifts that God gives to his people in the church are extraordinary gifts of miracles, or gifts of miracles. Spiritual readings. Don't we all want to know what the voice of God is? Do we want to know how God is directing us? Do we want to know that God is directing our lives and he's just not leaving us up to it? I think we do. How can we offer people the fact that God wants to have a part of their lives? Peace treatments. Life is full of ups and downs. What is worrying you? It's not worrying you now. God has a peace treatment for that. Trauma. And you've got to open the newspaper, see the traumas of life. Grief. Do you know how someone who's grieving at the moment? They need peace treatment. It's the Holy Spirit that can touch our lives at the most sensitive point which a service can't do or anybody else can't do. We're reading Corinthians. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. And he's searching the depth of your life and heart this morning to know where you are, to see if you want what you want this. You want more of him. It's spiritual. Do you know faith is spiritual? It's not a dynamic you can create yourself. The fact that you believe in Jesus is a spiritual dynamic. We could almost say, people here say, you believed in a loser? You got eternal life and forgiveness of sins? No. That faith in Jesus is the means of my salvation. My righteousness my forgiveness. 
The fourth one is physical healing. I could say this morning, are you in pain? Has someone got pain this morning? You haven't got to put your hand up or anything like that. But Jesus is concerned about that pain because he wants to heal. That pain could be physical or it could be spiritual. It'd be something at the core which you just can't get rid of. It's like a rock in here. Like a rock in here. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to move that rock right out the way so that you know healing. Do you have an illness? Do you have a problem? And I know that's true, even here amongst us this morning. But let's remind of ourselves is that the spirit, the dynamic of the church is both spiritual and physical. And fourthly, spiritual cleansing. I just wanted us to hold this a moment, and after that I will finish with a couple of stories. Spiritual cleansing. Just to pad this out a bit, are you, carrying, are you guilty about something? I very often feel guilty about something. Margaret will come out and she said, you've been walking here with dirty boots. And immediately I feel so guilty. And I just, I just can't ever remember walking through there with dirty boots. That's the thing. Because I'm old enough to forget it very quickly. Um, guilt. But I'm one of those people who takes guilt very quickly. And sometimes it can be an unnecessary burden because sometimes we feel guilty when we, we don't need to. Sometimes that guilt is with us all our lives and we just can't get rid of it. And we need that spiritual cleansing. What about forgiveness? Do you receive forgiveness? Can you show forgiveness? But forgiveness is a spiritual thing and we need, to be that, we need that Holy Spirit cleansing so that we can receive forgiveness and also forgive. All these things are spiritual things. And that's what we read in Acts happening. It's what we read through the New Testament, the whole Bible. It's about people. It's about our spiritual needs. Forgiving yourself and receiving it. Or maybe you can't get past the point of forgiving someone else. But then there's something else. In our life, there are lots of spiritual journeys which we make, which actually are an offense to God and don't do us any good, but they actually harm our lives. Things like reading, uh, reading uh, the stars and trying to find our guidance from them. Having had association with satanic games or Ouija boards and things like that that help that try to give us an a spiritual experience, visiting mediums and taking their words over our lives. And I believe we need clean that spiritual cleansing. Well, I tell you, you need, if you've ever been, you need it. Because it may be stopping you experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's something you need to get rid of. And it's only God, through the power of his spirit, can help us get rid of it. So you see, their spirit calf is actually quite a good thing. <laughs> quite a good thing. I don't know whether I'd have the strength or the power or the ability to do it. But praise God, it's working.
Some of you, many of you know the Alpha Course and Holy Trinity Brompton, where it has its major base. And Nicky Gumbel says, I well remember so well the first time I heard someone pray one of the most ancient prayers of the church. Come Holy Spirit, with a real expectation that the Holy Spirit would come. Sunday night in 1982, we had a meeting in the crypt after our evening service. As we prayed, come Holy Spirit, we saw remarkable events occur. We saw people being filled with the Holy Spirit, with physical manifestations similar to those described in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. We saw extraordinary physical healings take place the following day, when again someone prayed, come Holy Spirit. Just encourage us to pray that prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. We're going to move on now, worship, communion, whatever mix, where he's got it round. But maybe as we go there, and as we pray for each other or whatever we do, we say, come, Holy Spirit, in this place, Lord. We are expecting you, Lord, to move amongst us. In Jesus' name.